Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DougSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm part of And Jake LaTondres. I'm bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFour in the Ducktile Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me out on the road somewhere between Kansas and Texas. Rhino. Ryan, I saw that you jumped in there on the Facebook Live. Yeah, I wanted to hear what I wanted to hear what Jeff had to say. I've talked to Jeff a couple times during the podcast deal, and so actually, you saw him this past rant. weekend, right? Y'all hung out for a while. Yeah, yeah, and I talked to him for a little bit and talked about did we think this was helping? I mean, and I know that sounds crazy, but if you've listened to both of us the whole time through, uh, I don't think either one of us ever claimed we were angels, but what we were, were drugged through, whether it was by our own demise or whatever, is not something you would wish on any human and even your worst enemies. So um, then then you got to go back and relive it, you know? And, and I said, I, I, you know, I think, I think it's been good for the most part. There's times that weren't were tough, you know, and we're just kind of in those times right now on our part of the podcast. But and he said, yeah, you know, he, he kind of felt the same way and and whatever. So I think that the awareness has been. Uh, I think awareness is a great word to explain it because the d- discussions that it's created just in Duck South alone. Is unreal. The the two of y'all, uh, different cases, but yeah. the, just the discussions that it's created among outfitters. I see outfitters all the time when you make a post or them asking you questions. Hey, and can I order some tags? Blah blah blah. It's really created an awareness. Hey, I I got to get my crap in line. Well, this happens yeah. to me. Yeah, and you know, there's been negative and positive. Not not a lot. I haven't had to deal with as much negative as Jeff has. Still, some. You know, I get the hey, there's more to it than just tagging. Yeah, kind of. But I mean, they use that. They use that as the primary means to to fill out a a red line affidavit and get a judge to sign off on a search warrant. I mean, because they had me for multiple violations of it, and they were felonies because I was an outfitter. So, I mean, all they have to do is, is show that I did on this day 
store untagged birds or whatever, and that's a felony. So the judge says, these are felonies? Yeah, these are felonies. Well, I mean, all right, we need to probably do something about it. So they sign off on a search warrant and they show up. Well, you know, it's one of those deals that there, there was really no solution for tagging and everything else. And I didn't know anything about it, never heard anything about it. Which some of that's my own ignorance, but I, I didn't know. And there's not a lot of good information out there that's easy to find on it. I had no, I didn't know I didn't know if that makes any sense. So you're not looking for it because, like I said, you didn't know you didn't know that there was something there. So I just wasn't looking for it. And then there wasn't much to find to read on it, cases and stuff. There just wasn't out there. So it was really difficult. The first several years of research was extremely difficult because you just couldn't find anything. And it, you ran into a lot of roadblocks. And anytime you search like tagging violations, you come up with a lot of deer and turkey and stuff like that, where they may have shot ducks also, but there's no tagging violation there. So anyways, you know, I got a little flack for that, but I think you overall think, it's created some awareness. You know the thing I don't think it would blow a lot of people away? By any means, this is not a negative toward the feds. Because if anything, you know, I was having a conversation today with somebody else. And in this same situation, if anything, I could care less if y'all ever said a negative word about a fed. Really. I'm I'm being dead serious, dead serious about it. Yeah. I could care less. But the the conversation and the awareness that it, these bring is is worth doing. Now, what what I'm what I was going to say is there are so many people that are unaware that the fox is in the chicken house. Yeah. Do you agree? Right now, yeah. there, there are guides yeah. that that are that are that are hunting or have been hunting, and what I mean are is not like right now, but come this coming season, uh, fed and have been hunting oh, with them for, for a sure. Time. That's that's what I mean, and they'll tell you that's what their job is. I mean, it's their crab season when it's your crab season. So when the migration starts their hunting season starts as well. And so they're booking weekend after weekend after weekend with different outfitters. It's part of their job. They're going in and auditing these guys, basically like me, finding out what we're doing wrong. And they're starting these cases. And then as they continue to book trip after trip or year after year, then they're just building more, you know, and I was listening to Jeff talk today about, you know, I indicated that I knew who they were. I felt like we were doing everything right. I took them here. I took them there. It was, it, I mean, it's, I, I'm hearing the same things I was telling my guys from trip one is, hey, something's not right here. I don't trust these guys. And we hadn't been in any type of trouble or anything, but I just, it's like something's not right here. And we talked about it early, and it, and we were right. But, you know, I, I made the same statements that Jeff made. We're not doing anything we shouldn't be doing. Just keep running clean and watch what you're doing. 
Because really at that point in the game, you're thinking this is just part of it. You could be being paranoid. You don't really know how to approach it if they are feds. I mean, what are you going to do? I think you're feds. You need to leave. And you're you're giving up customers. And, did you ever think also, about just asking them, though? Did you ever did oh, ever, I, ever cross your mind just to say, hey? I never asked them. <laughs> I never asked them, but they, I think, I think they knew that I probably knew because, like, I asked them, like, so what do you guys do? Like, how can you be here at the drop of a hat? Well, we'll just fly into Wichita. Well, I understand that, but, like, what do you guys do business-wise? And they're like, we, we deal in commodities. They went into a long, drawn-out deal about they buy and sell natural gas. They buy it when it's at a certain price. They pay for storage on it. When the price goes up, they sell it back through the market at a lower price than what the market's at, but higher than what they bought for, blah, 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 blah. You know, how, if you do well with that, yeah, we, I, I mean, yeah, and, you know, you get the smirks and the, yeah, we do well with it and and this and that. And they don't really, I mean, like, I ask them, do they hunt anywhere else? Yeah, we hunt, you know, Nebraska and South Dakota if we can. We shoot in Nebraska quite a bit because it's close to Colorado, you know, by the Denver area. We get up on the plat. And I'm like, okay, I mean, it, it all makes sense. And I think if I would have looked their names up, I think I still would have had a heart. I mean, I would have had to do some extensive looking. Because the only place I could really find their names is on that indictment out of uh, Mike Bishop's indictment out of Wendy Hill. They were both on that. But um, it's one of those deals. You've got to admit that it's pretty slick for them to study up on what they're presenting themselves as like your guys about trading commodities just guys one of them worked in a salon what they didn't realize is jeff is going to know something about the uh salons his I, I can't remember somebody's family or friend owned one and he knew a lot about it and he tripped the guy up and that's when he definitely knew yeah I mean, it, but i just think it's amazing that they studied that hard for their character. Yeah, and even, you know, even Dan, like I said, the real, the real big deal was, you know, and they drank beer with us and stuff in the evenings, nothing crazy, but, you know, Dan would pull his mattress downstairs and sleep downstairs, and that's where all the recording equipment and stuff was. I mean, weird things were going on, but not overly weird. And, um, you know, Dan Dan asked me questions about shooting over. And I said, you know, I, I, I can't tell you it's okay to break the law. You know, I don't think you're a fed. I mean, I'll never forget. I could drive you within feet of where we were setting dove hunting. And he walked down there and I said, I don't think you're a fed, but I don't know that, you know. And he didn't say anything, and he walked off, and I looked over at my guy, and I said, that for sure, dude, There's these guys are feds. Because if somebody would have said that to me, I'd have been like, no. I'm not, a, I'm not a federal agent. I'm not. I mean, 
and it's basic law enforcement, but he knew to blow it off. Because when you pull somebody over and you ask him, hey, uh, do you have anything in the vehicle I should be worried about? No. Do you have any guns in the vehicle? No. Do you have any bombs in the vehicle? No. Have you been drinking? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, now you have a different answer. You have somebody trying to protect something, so they've obviously been drinking. So then you wait for them to reach over in their glove box and you stick your head in their window real quick and take a deep breath and see if you can smell anything. And by the time they turn back around, you're standing outside the vehicle. You say, are you sure you haven't had anything to drink? Because I smell the odor of an alcoholic beverage from your vehicle. Why don't you go ahead and turn your vehicle off, put your keys up on your dash and step outside for me. I mean, it's just basic law enforcement. So when they gave me the bland answer, I thought, these guys, I mean, multiple things are going through your head. They're either good enough to know just to not respond to that, or they're really not. But I'm, I mean, I would have said something. And I didn't right. feed him any other questions. I, I just felt like I would have got a response there. Hey, speaking of and, pulling somebody over that's been drinking and driving, does the penny trick work? You ever heard about the penny trick? Yeah, it's the penny trick and chew and whatever else. No, I mean... It, do, it doesn't work, does it? it I No, if you're... If they make you blow into a breathalyzer, right, it's not going to because you have to have deep lung air, and so it's not... It's not going to matter. I mean, it, it may affect things a little bit, but so for the, not those, the, to, For the millennials that's listening to this, back in the day when Ryan and I were in high school, if they, they always said if you'd been drinking, you know, been at a bonfire, whatever, after the football yeah. game on Friday night, shove a, shove a few pennies in your mouth. Yeah. And it would, soak, I guess, soak up that. The, the breath, the alcohol on your breath, or the... But I had a buddy that, that ended up swallowing one. You know, he, uh, he... Lucky enough, the cop did the Heimlich on him and got him to cough it up. <laughs> he, that's funny. I can't remember if he got a D or an I or not, because it was a it was a sheriff's deputy. But anyway, anyway. So, anyway... Before we go back in the store, you're headed to Texas for softball, right? I mean, your your daughter is a standout softball player. Yeah, she she is. Both my daughters play. The one, my 10-year-old that just turned 11 was playing in the All-American games at Round Rock, so Texas. So we're going down to that. She was supposed to play in the All-American games in Florida the week of the 20th, but my niece had a wedding, and we couldn't we couldn't swing at all. So we're coming to this set, and seems to be doing well. So she got a pretty solid team. So now, I saw that picture that you posted with the Olympic softball pitcher. I guess she was getting yeah, some well, lessons yeah. from her. She was. She's actually. She was a Florida Gator shortstop, Kelsey Stewart, and. Um, she was with the Florida Gators when they won the national championship, and now she's on the U.S. Olympic team. And 
um, played the international games uh, not very long ago or whatever, but she used to play for the same organization that my daughter plays for, and she comes back and coaches a little bit when she can, so that's that's nice. She works on the sliding and stuff like that, pitching, fielding, base running, stuff like that, so it's nice to have uh, 2020 Olympian coaching your 10, 11 year old daughter. So that's kind of nice. But well, they can. Uh, you know, I was I, I made a post yesterday. I guess it was yesterday. Uh, my daughters have been working out with a family friend, but she also happens to be all SEC first baseman. I mean, she is she is yeah the hitter on Ole Miss's team and Ole Miss kind of unbelievable softball team, but um their daughter of a family friend and lucky enough that she's been working out with them and they, it's unbelievable how much they've improved over just over the past yeah. two months. They're different. That, like I said in that post, they were scared, intimidated. I don't want to say scared and you know, they were a little intimidated wreck ball players. But now, yeah. man, they, they're softball players. It's, it's amazing what some private lessons will do for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, if they want to put in the work, they'll do it for sure. All right. Well, so. everybody did not tune in tonight to hear us talk about softball. They, we left it, and holy hell did I catch plenty of hell last week of where we left it off. You were being called into the courtroom last week. Yes. And and, so. and I think that we went through those pre-court jitters, the conversations that happened outside. We we went through those pretty well. I had we had a lot of compliments of of how we handled last week's episode. But we're walking into the courtroom. They called your name and we're going in. Yeah, so uh, I come out, call my name, and um, they. I get up and start to walk in. Obviously, I got to be the first one kind of in. Um, didn't really want to be, but you know, I I think when the doors open and the guy's standing there, I, you don't know what's in there. I guess. Um, I mean, I'm. I have to take a deep breath just thinking about it. I mean, when you when you stand up to walk in there, you, you really don't know what's going to be in there. I didn't know whether I was going to open the door to 500 people and a camera crew or, you know, like every possible thing is going through your mind from stuff you've seen on TV to just, you know, what it could be, how many people could be in there, who's going to be in there, all the game wardens going to be in there, some of the guys I used to consider friends going to be in there, you know, are my guides going to be in there? Um, I just really didn't know. And as I walked through the door, um, I look up, and the courtroom's almost empty. And... I remember the blood pressure in my body started to change quite a bit. And as I glanced to the right, 
because the courtroom kind of opened up to my right, and the judge was straight right of me when I walked in. But I, um, I, I moved to my right, and I see um, the prosecuting attorney there, Matt Treister. And so, I'm, you know, I, I start to feel emotion. In the meantime, I look to his left, right behind him, and old John T. Brooks wasn't about to mess up for the world and you go through several thoughts at that point i mean my first thought was you motherfucker and i was just really really not happy um my dad did he smirk did he smirk he, when he saw you he did he just looked at me and I mean, he didn't really stare. You know, I'll give him credit where credit's due. He did what was professional. He looked at me, and he kind of looked away. Um, but what was going through my mind, and, and I mean, you're like, dude, you run me over this. This is stupid, and you've run me over this. And then... Part of you is humble, and you're like, you know, you, you kind of brought this on yourself. And then part of you is, I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, I know what's coming, or I think I do, and I don't want to do this. And the other part of you is, if I plead guilty to this, and she doesn't go with the sentencing guidelines, what do you, what am I going to do? Because the only reason I agreed to these sentencing guidelines in the first place was so I could come back to hunting, even though I was going to have to wait for five years. And so you're not, I don't, you're not, I wasn't about to cry or I wasn't, didn't feel that, I don't think. I, I felt more of a, you're definitely in that fight or flight moment of, you want to kick everybody's ass, but you also want to turn around and run back out of the courtroom. But at age 35 at that time, 36, I just was just 36, I guess. You you know that you can't do that. And there's, you're here and you, it's time. Let's get it over with. You've pushed for this and now you've got it. Get it. Get on with it. Let's get over it. Let's move forward. We can't live like this any longer. We, I can't live pissed off and everything else. So um, I continue to walk in. I remember my feeling my palms are sweaty, um, and you're trying to to not look like that, right? You're trying to look like you're in there. You're confident. You you're there to do take your punishment. Um, I had set it up to launch my Facebook page with a $500 campaign, advertisement campaign, um, to start that afternoon. Um, and I had it set up to launch my website for toe tags. And had product on there, had information on there, had pricing on there, um, so there was a lot of things going through my mind. I'm trying to stay calm. I'm trying to get where I need to be. My lawyer is trying, Kurt is trying to 
mumble to me where I need to go. I'm zoned out like a five-year-old in Walmart. I mean, I'm not really paying attention. And he's like, hey, hey. And so we go up and sit down. And I sit by my wife. And the spotlight my, effect. Yeah, you I, I, walk, I sit you walk down into the bright lights. Yeah, I sit down with everybody, and um, he said, "You know, why don't you come on up here?" And I'm like, "No, I'm good, thanks. I'll just stay back <laughs> here." And uh, at this time, you know, Brooks was, yeah, I mean, fifteen, twenty feet from me, and of course, you're replaying you know, his statements of the more cooperative you are on this end, the easier it'll be for you on the other. And I'm thinking, I, yeah, I don't know that there was an easy way because you still haven't done anything with any of my other guides and they're listed on my paperwork. So I know you're coming after two of the three of them or two of the four of them minus my cameraman and one of the guides. So, um, and they're sweating at home, wondering what's going on with me. And um, so I'm like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess here we go. So I got front and set. And, um, you know, I'll rise and the judge comes in. She sits down and uh, was Judge Humphreys. And she was, you know, an older gal. She's retired now. And... Uh, of course, I'm going through previous law enforcement stuff, and I'm thinking I, I would have liked somebody that looks like you or Jeff Foyles or Tony Vandemore or somebody like that to walk out where there's a decent chance maybe they were a duck hunter or have been a duck hunter or something like that. I don't think this lady has probably done any hunting in her life. And so I'm kind of evaluating the situation. A million thoughts are going through my head. And she sits down, they ask why we're here, and, uh, you know, Matt Treister reads the the formal complaints that were, that we agreed to in the plea agreement, and um, then she looks at us and says, and how do you guys, how, how would you like to plead? And I stood well, up and hey, hold on, hold on. Before you answer that, what what is her kind of her tone of voice? Is she is opening the real, real? I mean, real monotone. She's real. It's. I mean, it's business. It's. It's just. I mean, it's just business. She's been through five other cases that day. Probably left. Got a drink of water and you know, in her office right behind there or whatever. When we came in, she came back out type deal. Real monotone. She wasn't, uh, she didn't smile at first, but eventually she, she, she does smile. And, uh, I don't know. She's just real, real plain, I guess. Scary. It was a scary feeling of, my my faith's in your hands, lady. It's not in a jury's hands. I mean, just because they give you a recommendation doesn't mean you have to take it. You could sentence me death by hanging in five minutes. So 
I don't really know how I feel about that because I'm getting ready to enter a guilty plea and I can't change the plea once I enter it. So um, I stand up and um, she says, uh, how, how do you... How do you want to proceed? And I said, I want to proceed with entering a guilty plea. And then she read me the legality behind it. Like, you know, you haven't been forced into this or whatever. And I remember thinking, yeah, I have been. Because otherwise, these idiots were going to charge me with felonies and I was probably going to go to prison. So, no, I haven't been, like, stuck a gun to my head, but you might as well have. So, I, I don't really have any choice but to take this deal and so I said you know no I I enter this in my own free will or whatever and she said before I uh, before I read your your uh, sentencing to you um, I would like to ask you a few questions I'm thinking well not let's not say we did um and I said, okay. And she said... Uh, where, where, hold on. Were, were you worried that... What's the what's the law term that you were going to incriminate yourself even worse? Did that cross your mind? Okay, these questions that are about to... I better answer them correctly or the sentence may be no, worse. Did that cross your mind? No, I, not, I don't know. It didn't. It didn't. That didn't cross my mind. The... The thought of, you know, what are you, what are you gonna, what are you gonna say to me? Are you, are you gonna try to make me feel bad? Are you gonna? I mean, are you gonna get? What do you? I just didn't. I had no clue what she was gonna say to me. And I've been in a lot of courtrooms, and I've not really heard that statement before. Of before I sentenced you. Know, I want to ask you a few questions because I mean, so part of you thinking, I mean, I guess part of you is thinking if I answer this wrong, is this going to affect things? But I knew she wasn't going to ask me questions to like add charges, but I, I immediately was like, she's going to probably, you know, want to know why I did it or something like that. And I'm, need to think of some type of answer to give her that sounds intelligent because it's not like I did it on purpose, but there's no intent. So I'm trying to think through stuff like that. And of course your mind's still going 100 miles an hour. Your palms are sweating. You're standing up. You're definitely in the spotlight. There was some nervousness there that my sister especially or my dad was going to smart off to John T. Brooks because they knew what what it had done to me and they're not the two most quiet people in the world so I was kind of nervous about that um, and so she she says she looks at me and she said how 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 has this affected your life and it was probably the most humbling question, the most humbling thing that happened the entire 
the entire case, probably. Um, looked up at her and I said, uh, well, I have three kids and every one of them have been hunting with me and fishing with me since they were old enough to walk. Every year we go dove hunting. Opening day, I take them no matter I, no matter what's going on in my world. I stop and take my kids. Um, I said in the springtime, we always crappie fish. Um, and we do other, you know, we, we shoot on a regular basis and do lots of other outdoor things as a family, including trapping. And I said my daughter killed her first turkey this last year and killed her first deer earlier this season because we're in November at this point. And um, I said, now for the next five years, we're not going to have that anymore. At this point, there were tears rolling down my eyes because you're you're extremely humbled. You know that you're going to have to. The reality that you're 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 face your kids, um, embarrassment. I think public humility is all weighing in there. The fact that she cared enough to ask, um, and then she made the statement that I I think you were in law enforcement once, correct? And I said. Yes, I was, ma'am, and explained to her that. She said, you know, I thank you for for your time there and whatever. And, and uh, she, I, I continued on, and she said, you can continue on. And so I went on and I said, um, as a result of this, um, I pulled out of my pocket, I pulled a business card out, and it was a, my business card is actually a waterproof tag with all my business information on it. And so it is exactly like my original toe tag that I made. And so I handed her an original toe tag. I handed her a business card. And I said, you know, when, when this started, I didn't know anything about tagging. Now I feel like I know quite a bit about tagging. And I'm still learning stuff daily, but I said one of the questions along the way was, you know, where where do I get tags at? I said, uh, everybody just told me to make them out of bread ties and, and uh, note cards. And I said, I, I didn't think that was a feasible solution that was going to hold up in the marsh. So I created a tag and it wasn't waterproof. And I tried spraying them with tent sealer and all sorts of other stuff. And then I found a material that's kind of a mixed material that's waterproof. And I said, so that's how I created this tag. And it's got a reinforced eye and this and that. And I said, according to the tagging regulations under 50 CFR 2036, which is some of what I'm being charged for, um, this tag would therefore meet those requirements. And when the question is asked of where do you get these tags, then I said I would be able to provide an answer for that. So I said I have a Facebook page under, you know, Toe Tags LLC, and I said it launched today. And I said I launched a website today that you can order off of, and it's, you know, Toe Tags 
LLC.com. I said, um, I'm going to do everything in my power to not let anybody else go through what I've went through because it was the most miserable experience probably that I've ever been involved in. Was holding it together, but my voice was starting to crack at that point. Um, tears are definitely rolling down both sides of your face, and you're not feeling very tough like you did uh, prior to December 15, 2011. And so um, just having a real hard time with with that and knew that I was going to have to leave and call my ex-wife and explain to her. She knew that we were going to court and this and that. was going to have to explain all this to her. And so when I, when I finished talking, um, or about at the end, um, I really wanted to say, please have mercy on me and don't do this to me. But I didn't. I thought, you made a mistake. Let's just deal with it even though you don't want to deal with it um, and hope that she goes along with the sentencing guidelines. So um, she stopped me right there and said, okay, I want to say a couple things and I want it to be on record. And I thought, oh boy. And I really, again, didn't know what she was going to say and she smiled real big at me and said, I just want to say, wow that I deal with a lot of people that come in and out of this courtroom that are in trouble. And she said, you're one of the first that I've dealt with in my career that came in here in trouble and offered a solution for the rest of the United States to not get in the same trouble that you have. And she said, that says a lot about who you are. And I thought, can you let me go then, please? Just let me walk out of here because it's been miserable. And she said, so I'll be watching you and in the years to come. And although your plea agreement says that you can't make money off hunting, fishing, whatever, um, trapping or be with anybody doing so, we will allow you to run this business and I wish you the best of luck. And I said, you know, thank you and whatever. And she said, okay, does either side have anything else or whatever? I'm going to proceed with sentencing. I said, and, you know, nobody, nobody said anything. And uh, I stayed standing and she read, she read what Matt Treaster the prosecuting attorney had had recommended, and she she you know she gave me a pause and it seemed like five minutes, and I'm thinking, okay, say something, and I don't think she meant for there to be a dramatic pause there. I, I don't know if she was thinking to lessen it. Um, I don't think at that point she was thinking to make it worse. Um, she just she just told me you know great you know great job basically for creating this and whatever so I don't think she was thinking worse I think she was 
possibly contemplating better, but then you enter into problems with your prosecuting attorney and whatever. So I think, you know, there was a pause there for a minute and she said, uh, I'm going to go with the recommendations of Mr. Treister and you're hereby sentenced to, you know, five years, no hunting, fishing, or trapping in the United States. Um, can't be with anybody doing that, can't be in possession of any bow, crossbow, uh, rifle, shotgun, uh, and there it says like any method of take, because I was thinking I, I could become the best slingshot hunter in the United States or blowgun hunter or whatever, but it, they they covered it all, so I couldn't be in any possession or any method of take I couldn't be in possession of. Did you go to like to Argentina? Yes. So I so I spent I spent the last several years in Canada fishing and hunting when I could. Um but obviously my lifestyle changed too because I was running a guide service and was doing fairly well and then all of a sudden I change jobs and I'm a facilities maintenance guy making, you know, $50,000 a year. So definitely cuts into your budget. You don't schedule your own time off anymore. Somebody else schedules it for you when it works, if you're not in a shutdown or something like that. So, yeah, my, my world was beginning to change drastically. I knew it was. And um, just in case I wasn't humiliated enough, then they I get ready to leave, and the prosecuting attorney comes over and reminds my lawyer to make sure that Mr. Warden stops at the U.S. Marshal's office on the third floor and gets uh, booked in. Uh, went had to go down to the third floor and basically log myself into jail. I, I went in there and signed signed in, and they buzzed me in, brought me in, um, cuffed me and walked me around through this deal, uncuffed me, fingerprinted me, pre-cuffed me, um, took mug shots of me, uh, there was other inmates walking through there, of course, looking out the windows. And these are all federal guys. You know, they're not state guys. And I assume most of them aren't in there for tagging violations. I assume it's probably drugs or murder or whatever. I mean, the same thing everybody else is listening is thinking. It's, this isn't, these guys aren't in here for not tagging ducks, ducks last weekend. So I'm the only one dumb enough lucky enough to be standing in here for not tagging doves. So went through, did my mug shots. I, I mean, I, it, it was a lady that fingerprinted me. Um, I remember thinking that, uh, I remember thinking that she could probably see on the outsides of my face where tears have been down my eyes or whatever she was pretty soft-spoken, pretty quiet. She was, you know, I, 
I hope you understand, but I have to catch you while you're moving through this area. Whatever. I mean, she was really nice about it. I, I mean, I think she could tell I was broken at that point. Broken was probably a, probably an understatement. I mean, you're just mentally fried. It's over. You're... I mean, that, that phase of it's over, I guess, because it, it wasn't over. I mean, here here we go. We, we're... At this point, we're... Oh, 30 days from being kicked out of my house and living in the basement of my cousin's house because I had nowhere to go and I slept in my truck for two or three nights in the wintertime and then left my truck running and sleep in my truck before I went to work because I didn't have anywhere else to stay. My family was four hours away. I couldn't move there. I was going to lose my other job. And so I'm like, I don't really know where to go. Everybody hates you. You know, I I, I remember leaving the courthouse and was just fried. And one of my buddies that still considered me a friend, um, his name was Nick. He sent me a message. He said, I hope everything's all right. And I'm like, dude, it's been like 10 minutes. And so I said, what do you mean? And he said, I hope you're all right. I just read the news. And I'm like, I've been fingerprinted and walked out and started my truck. And he said, the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks has posted on every every deal they've got. And I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's fine. But the, And they just posted the link that I've been in federal court. Pled guilty, and this is what my fines and fees were. You know, my fines were $7,500 plus $25 for each of the three, you know, each of the three misdemeanor violations they ended up charging me for. And so... Um, I paid that that day. I knew what it was going to be going into it, um, so I just paid it. I just it, it was one less thing for me to have to worry about. So I, and that was all kind of there together. So I, I didn't want to go back to that building ever again if I didn't have to. Um, so I paid it and went on, but I couldn't believe that. The Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks put it on their page so quick, and of course, it immediately got comments. And, you know, hang him high, and he should never be able to hunt again, and this and that. Well, then my Facebook ad was going at the same time about you know 50 CFR 2036 and tagging violations can be felonies, punishable up to six months in a federal prison, up to $15,000 in fines. You can read more information at www.totagsllc.com and place orders there and whatever. And the outcry was like, unreal. You're a, a an idiot. You're a scam artist. You should be ashamed of yourself. This and that. Blah, blah, blah. 
weren't you under investigation? I found this on uh, refuge forms. No, he was prosecuted. Here's a link to the, to that. He just got prosecuted yesterday or today. And, you know, you should you should kill yourself. You're an idiot. Oh, my gosh. This is all a scam. If I send you a knife, will you cut your wrist? I hope you die a slow, miserable death. If I ever run across you, I'll kill you myself, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was bad. It was, it was, the public outcry was terrible. And and I know that Jeff talked about it too. It's like, you know, you were reliving what had happened in 2011. This was, you know, this whole outcry again of, I knew it, he was guilty, and he should have done this, and they should have done this. He should never be able to allowed to be allowed to hunt again. And they talked about what they did for the kids, and these guys are fucking worthless. And I mean, lots of different stuff. Unbelievable comments. People mocking you. Yeah, I, it was just I, I couldn't believe. I mean, I, you're your broken heart becomes more broken and you're, you know, at several points through the next three years. So through about 2018, 2017, 2018, I mean, you're just wondering why, why, why am I doing this? (laughs) Because duck hunters, as as waterfowl hunters, we love them all, but they're as hard-headed as a trapper. And the waterfowlers, I mean, waterfowlers are their own worst enemy. I, I see it yeah. every day on Duck South. It is absolutely ridiculous. You don't see it from the older guys. It's, it's I would say that's been hunting ten or fifteen years long. You know. Or more, yeah. But but the guys from from about year, yeah, from about year three of waterfowling to about year, let's say twelve. That is the worst bunch of hunters when when voicing opinions about anything. It's it's some weird stage that waterfowlers go through, right there. That yeah. Well, they they start knowing enough to be dangerous, and they're pushing real hard, and they're they're probably killing, they're doing well, and they think the old guys are washed out, and the new guys don't know anything, and they're getting in there where they're real comfortable. It's like running a race; they're they're strided out, they're they're comfortable with what's going on, and and whatever. But yeah, it's it's bad. It's real bad. So that was real tough. Um, well, look, let, let, let's hold it. Let's let's hold it right here because I think that we're going to do probably one more episode. I want to spend some time next week of you, what you did after after this business is up and going, and then this series has been so big, just like Jeff's. We're going to do a an, another Facebook Live. But the one thing I did learn, Brian, from the Facebook Live today with Jeff, you're going to actually initiate 
the Facebook Live, and I'm gonna be the little square up at the top. All right. That way, that way your face is. That way, your face. You're 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 in the spotlight, not me. Okay. But I think that back to the main point. We have one more episode because I'm I kind of into this story a just a teensy little bit because I'll like I said I'll never forget the phone call that I got from you around 2015 or 16 somewhere in there. I guess it was probably yeah, I mean, 15 I was, or 16. It was probably 15 or 16. I mean, I was still I was still under the assumption that I was going to save save everybody. I'm going to save whoever's going to listen because this was miserable. But but and let's talk that, about the business. Point, I was going through another divorce and I'm like this is miserable. This is terrible. We're going to spend some time talking about you building this business up because there's some mighty powerful people that are buying tags from you now. So we're going to spend next week talking about that and the business overall, where you are today. Then two weeks from now, we will do, like I said, we'll do a live where people can come in. We'll, we'll rehash some of this story, you know, hit the high points, and you guys can answer or ask questions to Ryan and um, any thoughts you may have on it, and Ryan can walk back through that with you. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good to me. Well, look, be careful traveling the rest of the way through Texas. I appreciate you joining me tonight, Ryan. I know that it was a tough part of the story for you. Yeah, well, I mean, you can hear my voice in there. It gets pretty tough a couple times, and I take a few long pauses. I mean, reliving that was that was probably the toughest one for me right there. For sure. You can hear me about about bringing a tear or two to the eye again right there. So it's pretty tough. Next week, a lot better mood in the podcast probably next week. We'll talk about the business. Thank you again, Ryan. We want to thank all of you for listening to this edition of the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.